Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. Best way to interact there. Great place to go look at the products. Not only is HyperClean store, but go to your app or your Play Store and download the HyperClean store app for a new innovative way to work with your products. And Nick, hey man, I'm going to be enjoying a little local favorite for here at my household. And it's a community favorite. Multiple ones here in the community. Love the Sierra Nevada, hazy little thing IPA. As I celebrate moving into the fall, man, what a great fall weekend. It's been a little bit there. We had Labor Day, a couple little, like what, a little week off, so a little catch up with you, man. What, yeah. what happened this weekend? It, it looked like a, like a fun little fight, huh? Yeah, I went to the to the UFC card to catch uh, maybe Nate Diaz's last fight in the octagon. For those that don't know, I've been to <laughs> a lot of UFC events and uh, sometimes go to the UFC Apex Center. So I'm a fight guy. I go to a lot of fights, and uh, Saturday night, I was a little disappointed that the events got moved around, whatever, but, yeah, I went and enjoyed it. It was a hell of a lot of fun. That place was crazy, too. So I, I always loved the Diaz-McGregor fights. I think those were my favorites. Oh, yeah, those were, those were crazy. Yeah, yeah, no. A guy missing weight by eight pounds and all kinds of stuff going on this week and a fight backstage the day before. I mean, it was nuts. Yeah, but all worth the whole, it. The whole card, y'all. Yeah, I mean, look, I. Yeah, it's fun to watch. I mean, we saw a bad decision and people go nuts, and you know, we weren't sitting too far behind the announcing crew, as you know. So to watch that crew go crazy and Rogan and all those, it was great, man. Like I, I'm a huge fan. There's still nothing like a live fight. Yeah, uh, I didn't watch five, but watch some football this weekend. Boy, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, football. Football is back. Um, you know, USC might be back with Oklahoma's coach. And, you know, one of my buddies I grew up with on that staff, he's the D coordinator there. So that's pretty cool. I'm glad they're doing well. It is fun to see him do. I know uh, here it's not going so well. My, my, uh, <laughs> my sell and buy, whatever, you know, whichever direction you're going to go, mine's buy, like I said, fall. But it is funny what you just talked about. I think I'm going to sell at the same time. And I'm selling that Cowboys offense. God damn, that was brutal last night. <laughs> like, so fall, fall weekend for me is what I'm buying. I, as you know, and many others know, I love all things fall. I mean, we've been talking about Jeep, Jeep doors are off. They're back on for a moment. We had a little rain come through, but then, geez, that made for a 75-degree day. Cruising, going around. We went and grabbed some beers. We just enjoyed the afternoon, ate some pretzels, had a great time, and then grabbed some wings. Because there's no better way to enjoy a Sunday night football game, watching Brady come back out. Boy, that was incredible. I'm a Brady fan. Always have been. You know, he's a smart guy. He married a Brazilian, too. So, you know, it, it is a thing. I don't thing. think they're going to be married anymore, so you might want to relax on saying that. Seems like that <laughs> may be the problem. I know. <laughs> I think you might have brought up the wrong subject. Tom Brady hears us. He's not going to be happy. <laughs> you know, personal days, whatever, Tom. Get yeah, back yeah. in the game. Glad to see him there. But, boy, it was brutal watching Dak last night. Man, that was rough go. But I get it. They got some injuries. Very few people getting to play. Like, whoo. I'm selling think, if I'm buying fall weather, I'm selling cowboy football. Like, well, I don't think you're gonna be seeing terrible. him for eight weeks, huh? He's gone for eight weeks. Who? Dak. 
Oh, I didn't his, see that. He broke his thumb or something. So he's oh, that you know, been hey, you yeah. There was that play at the that. end where the the deep the the defensive yeah. man came in right as he was throwing the ball. I could see that. Oh gosh, it's worse than now. Good for him. He broke his thumb because the next eight weeks is going to be terrible for the team. <laughs> Brutal. He's glad he only uh, broke a thumb. Yeah, I hear that. So uh, for me, actually, I'm going to buy. I should be selling, but I'm going to buy. You got to know when it's over for you, Marty. And for those that are, well, I know we got a lot of twenties, twenty two, twenty five. Were you uh, got my, about gambling again this weekend? No one to hold them, my, no one to fold them. Huh? My my, uh, my sparring days are done. I realized that on Saturday morning. Uh, had some guys I know in town. Hey man, why don't you come over here and uh, work out a little bit? I said, all right. These guys are certified killers. Why not? What well, I'm dumb enough. Go over there. I think I broke my ring finger. Number one. Which I've done before. So it's all bent up and I got about 20 minutes in and I was like, I'm done. I literally finished it out and look, these guys, some of these guys were at the card, you know, on the card, whatever. And so I've done a lot of years of it and it's a wrap. Now it's heavy bag (laughs) stuff that can't hit back. You know what I mean? I gotta, I gotta just know when to fold them and boy, oh boy. So I texted you and I poured myself a drink, not actually not very many drinks. Cause I had to go down to T-Mobile to watch fights. I just had one drink in my backyard alone. And I go, it's a wrap for you, buddy. You just don't have it anymore. So I'm going to buy that. I was think I was one sparring session too late and calling it a day, but uh, yeah, it's probably a day for me. Mm, yeah no one to walk away no one to run (laughs) i got my backyard i'm like should have never been down there hey you know we've all been there wait actually we have it (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was a pretty nice little photo though put that in a hyperclean specialist group enjoying a drink with the new pint glass soon to be released i know everybody's in a group going oh man we gotta have one we gotta have one you bet man they're almost right we're we're almost ready to be any day now we'll make sure everybody knows about it the thing that everybody's probably not quite sure that they know about, Nick, is I saw an email that came through the other day, unconfirmed, but I heard you got your delivery of your white New Balances ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, the videos that I was putting out of you cleaning that Corvette, you were wearing dark shoes. And I know now the next one, you'll be having some white, uh, some yeah, little white get, New Balance. Hey, people get out of, ba- out, of, out of, speaking of New Balance, they get out of balance when you like a car. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's a Corvette. I'm like, dude, I'm just telling you it's an elite gearbox. I'm just giving you the facts. So, um, you know, we do business with actually a Porsche race team who's in first place right now in that division. They're doing really well. They're just down the street from us. They become good friends. They come in here. We're laying PPF and they just go off. Oh, these stink. But, and it's like, why is everything compared to something else? Did anybody say it was a Lamborghini? I never said it was. You know, but I got to have new balance on because I say the car sounds good. The car drives well, like, you know, it is what it is. I've owned a Corvette in my life. I got a great deal on it. I enjoyed it for five minutes. I sold it, but has Corvette guy completely ruined the fact that you can't talk about a good Corvette anymore without you making a white new balance joke. Is that where we're at? Pretty much. Pretty much. Wow. I hate this place. Somebody get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but you had a good episode. I was listening to it on Saturday again while I was mowing the yard. It was 
It was a good time. Uh, I thought I, re I really enjoyed it. And like to know, as you said in the episode, kind of what's going in the, the car market coming into the fall. I know Derek from DJD sent me a, a message. Fun to see Jeep going into the EV world. Not quite sure where I land if I'm going to do that, because I can't imagine yet Jeep has developed a standard EV. And yeah, uh, I think that's those days are over. So you, you, you can, you can go ahead and put the, look, this is, this is where the analog driving experience has gone up. You know, we've saw, we've seen, you know, I've made this reference for everybody who listens to the Saturday episodes. We've been following the analog BMW market. You can follow the Porsche market. Look, man, stick shifts are, you know, number one, people need to understand that people don't buy them. No. So the reasons manufacturers don't make them isn't because they're trying to be a dick. It's because you guys don't actually buy them. Six years so, ago, like 2016, I'm pretty sure is when I got that Jeep, maybe 15. And it was incredibly difficult then to find it. one that was, but, you know, super is going to have one, uh, you know, civic SI has them. I mean, look, people are going to have manuals for a while, but people need to realize if this electric thing keeps on this path, you're talking about the next decades kind of spoken for. So there is going to be no reversing course because nothing happens overnight. And you know, I don't know where they're going to find all the minerals to make all these batteries, but I'm sure it'll be in a war-torn country. Uh, but at this point in time, I have no, I have no idea how they're going to make all these batteries because they're having trouble making them now. So as everybody, you know, Dodge and Jeep and Ford and Chevy and everybody becomes all electric, we're going to have an issue with getting the supplies. All right. So what are dealerships looking like out there? I, I've got some dealerships here in Tulsa, and some other people said they got some that are. Are, are stocking cars some are not uh i saw one honda store that moved a bunch of used cars over to their their new car lot to to try and make do but then some new car lots uh, i'm finding have plenty of cars yeah, what's same, what's it looking like here. out there are lots empty or they got cars actually you know one of the ones that surprised me is you know gmc was kind of hurting out here uh the lots that i would drive by they were hurting for the longest uh they have a bunch of trucks and suvs we don't seem to be as low on inventory, obviously, as interest rates have gone up and it's harder to get people financed, whatever. Also, the supply chain's catching up. But, you know, right, is that have, a chip thing? I mean, have we magically gotten chips back? Is that what it is now? No, it's kind of everything. You know, it's just a matter of everything caught up. Uh, chips aren't you know, there's a, there's a deal signed. A lot of chips are going to be coming and, and they signed a big uh, bill into law the government's going to be funding some chip manufacturers here. So we're going to bring this back on shore. As you know, I'm going to be taking a trip to Houston. We're going to be doing some content down there at the end of the month. I'll get a lot more information because of who I'll be down there with on, on what's going on on the global manufacturing scale. But I think for anybody right now, the question is the thing that we have uh, a team member there that shared a story about a Jeep Wagoneer he was offered. The interesting thing that we're seeing is we're now starting to see the normalization of the market. Those that should be in the high end are in the high end. Those that should be in the in the mid to to mid scale part of the market should be there. The entry level stuff is starting to make some sense. So I think the most interesting thing are all these brands that tried to do luxury and weren't luxury brands are now seemingly having a little bit of an issue selling some of their stuff. Well, it is because it's it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting time because not only and I'll share that story with with Cass of what he shared to me, but there's also I'm seeing from detailers. And this is the interesting part of why detailers do this is they'll take 
photos of people's stickers on their windshield and talk about the markup that the local dealership is doing. Yeah. And I mean, $70,000 markup, 60,000. We've talked about this, but I saw one the other day, and this is a tie into uh tie into Cass's story. I saw one the other day where the, the post was talking about how the people complained so much that the dealership actually took it away. Yeah. The Corvette Z06. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing was a meltdown online. I, I kind of alluded to that on Saturday's episode or two Saturdays ago, uh, Z06, which is going to be a car. Everybody wants to get their hands on this, this dealership takes all these pre-orders, right. And seemingly in the middle of those cars being built tells these people, Hey, by the way, you're going to pay 50, 60,000 over sticker. Good luck. Like, and then the GM has to come out a few days later. Cause it goes viral that people are losing their, their shit on the internet and the GM backs off of it and goes, Oh, we'll, we'll actually sell these at what we were promised. And so there's you know, a crack, right? There's a little break now. And what was happening, you got that story. And then Cass's story, this is what's this really is fascinating. $90,000 Jeep Wagoneer that's top of the line. He just happened to like, Hey, let me just look at it while we're here. And they offered him all this money on some trade-ins came down. It's now over $40,000 under the price that they quoted. And he's sitting here going, I don't know what to do. I really didn't want a Wagoneer, but at $50,000, like, yeah. So this is kind of the interesting thing. So we talked about this offline, right? When this all came to, you're like, Hey man, this is kind of a wild story. And here's the wild part of the story. Jeep shouldn't be building a hundred thousand dollar vehicle. Like this is what happens when you're doing something that nobody wants. The hundred thousand dollar customers not walking into Jeep saying, Hey, can I get a Wagoneer? So when Wagoneer came out, Everybody kind of that, that anybody that knew what they were talking about scratched their head and said, Hey, that looks really cool. It's great that you brought Wagoneer back, but you're not a luxury brand. And now you're trying to sell this luxury vehicle to people that don't think you're a luxury brand. And the people that buy luxury are the people that buy luxury, right? Let me give an example of this. One of the best luxury sedans built of recent memory was a Hyundai Equus. And it was way over Hyundai's head. They did a great job. Nobody bought it. Why nobody buy it? Because nobody that buys an 80, 90,000, $100,000 sedan wants to own a Hyundai. And so they're just not associated, right? So then Hyundai tried to build this other brand called Genesis and get away from Hyundai after that whole experiment. And they've even struggled there in some instances, even though they're getting some traction. And so this is the interesting thing is that over the last five to seven years, these brands could do no wrong because the market just kept going up and up and up. Now what you're finding is, hey, dude, guys that spend six figures on cars don't want to drive a Wagoneer. That's just not what's associated with your brand. It's not a negative. Well, it's not. But what could be a negative is what some people are saying of coming out with Ford and the other brands that we've talked about not going out to SEMA. Any impacts that you're hearing? What does it look like? Any new updates? You know, we'll get a couple more from you as SEMA gets closer. But, you know, anything you're hearing out there in Vegas about SEMA? So I'm getting more and more calls as the week goes on or the weeks go on about people needing help coming in. Hey, can you polish this car? Hey, I got this customer coming in. This is kind of ramping up, but 
I think everybody's going to really wonder what SEMA looks like because you had so many manufacturers pull. I mean, really two very big manufacturers pull out. And so they've been stalwarts of the show. And for those that don't know, they basically take up like one hall by themselves. Um, that's an over exaggeration experience outside. Yeah, I mean, that was that it was just massive. And, you yeah. know, you had all the, uh, do you remember the, the drifting and the stuff that Ford was involved in and, I'm going to be interested. SEMA's so smart, and they've been ahead of the curve for so long, even though I know we've had people think that SEMA's a bunch of idiots. It's the biggest show on planet Earth for cars. They've been so ahead of the curve. What's it look like now? I told you last year was really down, although, you know, we expected it with COVID because it was still kind of lingering. Now do you get back to the the small walkways and that? I don't know. Um, I'm not hearing that they expect tenants to attendance to be crazy great, but when the market kind of hits the skids, is this when people go and reach and try to find answers at a show? Hey, we're, we're, we're struggling. Maybe, you know, the shop's struggling. Maybe we go find something that, I mean, that maybe reinvigorates SEMA, but I don't know. I, I think we're really up in the air on SEMA, but I don't think anybody's positive. It's going to be huge attendance. Well. Well, I know this week we're going to talk about a little bit on the community pub. So anybody wants to get on the community pub, it's Wednesday, 730 Central, Zoom ID 918-800-1188. We're going to kind of let some guys share their thoughts on if they're going to be going or if they're not going to, they're going to do a Ford and pull out themselves, you know, yeah. we'll see. I, well, I, I think most guys don't go. I really do. I think most guys are going to keep their head down in their business. I mean, that would be my gut, but you never know. Never know. All right. Well, moving into the fall, not only the Cowboys offense has been interesting to watch, but you know, some comments and some, some discussions have been very interesting. Not just uh, the one we saw this weekend where somebody was wanting to have a discussion with us about their vacuum charging their credit card and sucking up their credit card. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, we did, we did have an email into hyperclean said, Hey, can you guys tell me how to turn your vacuum off? Cause it's charging up my credit card. And I literally sent the email to Marty and go, do you have any idea what this guy's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Some interesting discussions, you ain't lying. but, but a couple listeners and a couple guys that have been in community. We had, we had really good discussions with them last week. So, I want to kind of give you some input on on what I talked to them about and kind of pick your brain a little bit. Let's let's pounce this back and forth because I think it's interesting. There'll be plenty of listeners that will find themselves in one of two positions with these guys, right? First is we got a 20-year-old. He's a young guy, man, running a good business, working hard, working really hard, diligent, pushing forward. Listen, I've known him for years. It's Zai. Zai was a part of some marketing stuff that we did. He's done content for us. He was a part of the podcast earlier on. Loves I, man. Great, hardworking kid. And wanted to know from me, um, you know, what does it look like? Life, business, married? You know, he goes, hey, you know, I knew, knew you got married recently. You've been married before. You know, kind of picked my brain. And, and we had a little open discussion. And there's going to be plenty of people that wonder how do they fit into that mold? There's also going to be another group of people that go, yeah, might be more like Brandon. All right. Brandon's a little bit older. He's in his thirties. Brandon's actually got probably a basketball team in his family, right? I mean, he's yeah. got a bunch of kids. We joke around about it with them. You know, he, he, he loves his kids. He loves his family, but he loves his business. And he also is 
jumped into a new phase of business where he's part of our distribution program. He's trying to see if he can grow a distribution company. And that's, that's difficult trying to do two businesses at once and also have all those family members, kids that he wants to spend time with kids that he loves. And when I talked to him about it, he goes, listen, man, shit's tough. It's hard to do both. It's hard to do everything together. Right. You know, what is, we don't like this whole work-life balance thing. And that's not what we're here to talk about because one of the things I talked to really heavily with Zai about was actually not having balance. <laughs> don't yeah, have balance, no. you know? That's not, that's so, a misnomer. Yeah. So let's think about it a little bit different. Let's start kind of from a core. I think some guys will, will want to answer this question for themselves, whether like me and they were mowing the yard or most of our guys are listening to us while they're polishing a car, or detailing a car, or working hard. So they're going to have to answer it and think about it for themselves. And I want them to go along at the same time as you. Why did you, right? What was the purpose of you starting your business? It's not the sexiest answer. It's not some bullshit, you know, answer that everyone has. I just thought I could make a lot of money. And that's all I, that's all I thought was, Hey, I have something good to offer. Uh, I didn't know what that was probably to the level I should have to be very, you know, blunt about it. Like I was lost like everyone else, but I just thought to myself, I have these skills. Now, mind you, I did spend time growing my skills prior to my business. So I came into my business with a little more skill than I think we see some guys do now where they're just jumping out and giving it a go, which is fine. Uh, but I, I thought I had a better mousetrap. I was like, I, I think if I do it this way and I, I, I just thought I had something to offer. I could been very wrong. If you look at the first two to three years of my business, like everybody, I made good money, but I was just kind of in that in between of really, should I be doing this? Right? Like I was making good money while also not understanding what I was trying to do. And so for me, mine was a money decision. I thought I can really go make a lot of money and I was making good money where I was at. So I had to really weigh that of, you know, we're talking about in 2010, do you think you can make 150 plus thousand dollars a year? And I thought I could. And that's, that's what I concentrated on. I, I never got caught up in everything else. So your overall purpose in a sense was money, which is, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know we'll get to it, but at a very young age, I, I had an understanding of what money meant in a real way. And, you know, when you and I have these discussions and, and a lot of the stuff on the podcast comes from people that we talk to, but it's also then the conversations you and I have, right? I think everybody's so embarrassed to say they do stuff for money because the, the world's told them to do it for passion and do it because you love it and all this other... I mean, it's great that Michael Jordan worked hard, but do you think it's great that he has a billion in the bank? I mean, it, it, can it be both? Can we like say it out loud? And I had a real understanding about money. And like I said, I didn't grow up with parents that had a bunch of money or anything like that. I just had an understanding of what money meant to the world. To do anything with your family, go price out Disneyland or Disney World. I mean, Marty, you, you've paid. Marty, go before. price out the movie theater. Go Let's price start out there. movie theater. Go, <laughs> go price. I, I mean, this is why I think guys 
saying that they're chasing a passion sounds good in theory. In practicality, the people that end up having the most success that I come across mix all of it, but understand the importance of money in their life. I have, uh, you know, a, a, a young daughter now. I got another one on the way. We want to be able to make the decision for my my wife to stay at home. Okay. You want to be able to just say, this isn't that big of a deal for us to do. Well, you can't do that without money. And that's where the separation, I hate when people beat around the bush and don't tell new guys sooner or later, dude, in your life, you may go out and party and have beers now and be making enough money to go party with your buddies. I've been there. You've been there. That's a great feeling, but 22 turns into 27. And then 27 turns into 32. And let me tell you what gets bigger. Fast. The bills. Yeah. The bills get bigger. That's the only difference in those ages. You want to talk about the main difference between 22 and 32? It has nothing to do with age. It has to do with the shit that you want costs way more money. The neighborhood you want to live in costs more money. Because that cool apartment you lived in at 22 is not cool at 32. So this is where all of these people in our industry that tell you a bullshit about passion are setting you up for failure. Your passion better pay the bills or you need to keep it a hobby. That's it. That's what you really need to do. And that's why I think I was, I benefited from my cold view of I got in this to make money. That's where it benefited me. And I stumbled getting into it. For, for many months, because I didn't get into it for money. I got into it just like many other people were upset about their job, right? I'm that guy. I wasn't happy with my job. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. And some guy said, hey, man, you like cleaning your car? Clean your car? Clean cars? I've seen people clean cars, right? Like, we've talked about this story. It's so interesting how people can get into something with different aspects. But then, listen, my perspective Right. As we've used that word over the past years, right? My perspective changed, as you said, the bills, right? When yep. bills happen, money does become more of a priority. And that's an interesting word. Priority. Wow. Okay. So thinking of the word priority, if I'm gonna have a purpose for the reason why I start a business for mine, like I said, maybe I was unhappy, but overall it began as I told you, and as I've said openly to other people, it became actually the purpose of my business was to help me go around. And I wanted to travel, wanted to see the world that became like a, an underlying reason for me being in business. And what does it take to travel the world? Money, money right? You have to start making money in order to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish your underlying purpose. It almost becomes like a subcategory. Was there a time when you started, you know, definitely now you just mentioned it. My wife, you know, well, we're going to have a second baby. I went through that. When my wife had her second baby, I told her, there's no reason for you to keep going to work. You yeah. should stay home and take care and become, now we become a, a different model, right? There's yep. different things that happen in life that can create a diversification in your purpose with little oh, yeah. subcategories, right? Oh, yeah. Thing, look, priorities change, man. I mean... I rewind the clock three years ago. We weren't really even talking about kids. Now I got a two-year-old here in what, like a week or two. I got another one on the way at the turn of the year. It, it happens. It just happens. 
right? And I think all of you listening, let's say you were 20 years old and now you're 25. At 25, you want to drive a nicer car than you did at 20. What, what does that car cost? Money. You want to go to better places. You want to eat better dinners. You want to uh, have options. I mean, that's the key word. Money doesn't buy you happiness that they've proven study after study. After you make 60 grand a year, there's no more buying you happiness. Okay. That's the stat, but, and there's a big, but it buys you freedom to make the choices you want to make. Do you want to send your kid to private school? The shit costs money. Matter of fact, out here it costs about 20 G's a year. That's the kind of money it costs. Okay. Just had a buddy's kid leave for Baylor. He paid somewhere in the neighborhood of about $100,000 for her high school years, okay, for a really elite school out here. Now, may not be for you, but isn't it great to have the option to say yay or nay? Hey, we don't need, I got another buddy, tons of money, could send his kid wherever he wanted. He's like, I'm not paying for school. That's ridiculous. His exact words. You know what's great? He's not making that decision because of money. He's making it because he wants to make it. He's like, you know, we'll just go on more trips or I'll pay for tutors or I'll do some of these other things because he doesn't believe in that education. He doesn't think that there's a benefit. Super smart guy, millions in the bank. He doesn't see it that way, but he gets to make the choice, not his bank account. And that's what, when I look at today, a business is the same as your personal finance, right? Hyperclean can only do as much as its bank account allows it. You can only do as much in your personal life or your business as your bank account allows. So one of the reasons, and you and I have talked about this, so let's bounce this back and forth. You know, one of the reasons the marketing hype bullshit in business is, is not telling you the truth, because those with the money that outspend you on marketing beat you in the marketplace. You turning your phone around and making content isn't going to change the fact that they spent 10 G's this month on advertising and you spent zero. So it all matters somewhere. That's what all of this BS, you know, I, if you do SEO, you know what costs money? SEO. Yeah, you can do SEO. It's like, what, three, five, 10, 50 Gs a month, depending on how, you know, high you want to go. This is where we've mislabeled owning a business is that if it doesn't boil down to you making more money, you can't support your family. You can't build a family and have options for your family. Many people do it, but the people that have the most options are the guys that make the most money. That's what it comes down to. And that's, that's kind of why I do it the way that I do it. So if we also want to be a part of that, which I, I would say most, most of us that are listening, most of us that are in community, we, man, we, we also would love to make some money. You're right that you said that earlier, and there does seem to be some type of stigmatism around people saying, yeah, we want to make money. Yeah, we like money. Is it because not everybody always makes money with the most honest way or the most purposeful way? And yeah, that, sometimes a, it has a, a negative it's an persona. Question. It's a, it, that's an interesting question. I never understood why everybody was like, you know, work hard. Okay. I mean, I can dig a ditch and that's really hard work, or I can rent the machine and dig a bunch of ditches and make a lot of money. I can dig a ditch with a shovel or I can get a backhoe and, you know, do it smart. I, I just hated the incomplete messages, right? So I think your question's interesting. I don't know that I have an answer. Yeah. 
I, I think people want to glorify entrepreneurship and want to glorify owning a business because of the American dream or somebody once told them don't work for somebody or whatever the hell they're doing. I know I have a lot of team members that are really, really happy with what they make and make a great living and get to go home to their family at a reasonable time, but that's not my life. That's their life. Right. And, and they're happy with that. My life is up at 4 a.m. And here it is. We're recording a podcast. I have other stuff to do. You know, I probably won't get back to my family most nights, 12 to 14 to 16 hours later. And that's been my life since 2010. And I didn't need somebody to tell me to put the time in. And I think that's the real telltale sign for guys is that if a 12-hour day is hard for you, I don't know that you can make it in business. I don't think, Marty, you've witnessed a lot of people in their 30s and 40s with a business that is under 10 to 20 years old that don't work more than 12 hours a day. Like, you know, successful people, there's a lot of time in this. And then there's, then there's plenty of people. Listen, I used to have a guy on a regular basis tell me like, yeah, but you just got to know when to turn it off. I mean, you got a priority of your wife, you got a priority of your kids, you got a priority of your family. And they're right. It, yeah. And they're right. That is a priority. However, which is something that I talked to Zaya and I talked to Brandon about. However, my priority is also in five years. My priority is also what life is going to look like more long-term for my kids. Yep. My priority is also like, listen, I missed, I missed a lot of games. missed a lot of practices, but my priority wasn't necessarily to be at my kids practice. My dad took me to practice, but he wasn't at practice. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. And we, we, and that was a little bit of a generational thing, right? It was, it was customary to get off work at five. Uh, that's changed. You know, you look at it now, I live in a city that's 24 seven. If people saw how people lived here, that have never lived in a 24 seven town. It's wild. You know, people get off at all different times. And, you know, so as a business owner, I'm, I'm benefiting from that but I'm also not benefiting from it, right? Because people will call me at all hours of the night expecting something because guess what? They live in a 24-hour town. I, I think there's always an interesting question, man, and all these people, nobody has the right answer for you, yeah. okay? I don't, Marty doesn't, nobody else's podcast does, but there is no success without the time. And this is where we get to an interesting conversation. Somebody three years into their business and they're already bitching and complaining about the time they have to spend, do yourself a favor. In my opinion, go get a job. Life is a lot easier that way. But every successful business owner who now has freedom to maybe work less has a period of five, 10, 20 years where they sacrificed everything. And that's the real trade-off you have to ask yourself if you're going to make. Are you going to forgo buying all the shoes you want to buy? You know, we know dudes love Jordans. Are you going to forgo buying the new car for 10 years? Are you going to forgo hanging out with your buddies? I lost a lot of friendships from 2010 to now. Guys I was tight with or thought I was tight with that I had to sacrifice, right? It doesn't fit into my life. I can't fly out to your wedding on this time. I got a job to do. I got this. I got, I mean, I missed a bunch of people's weddings and all of a sudden, they got bitter about it. 
I didn't get bitter about it, but they did. And they have every right to. So I, I cost myself friendships. When I look back, as you know, as you get older, for all you young guys, all these dudes you think are your boys as you get to 40, you don't really hang out with them anyway. You know, you don't really do that. You know, you hang out with your family and you're at your house and that kind of thing. So looking back, I didn't sacrifice as much as I thought. And so when you look at all of this, I think the interesting part of this question is nobody has the answer for you guys, but you got to have a sacrifice somewhere if you want to make this work. You kind of have a sacrifice, but we don't want to paint a doom and gloom picture. That doesn't no, no, sound fun no, at all, right? Like no. it's I've, not I've about enjoyed doom my and 12 gloom. years. Yeah, it's it's not about doom and gloom and never do anything. Listen, I'm telling you, I, I had a lot of fun when I was a mobile detailer. I went out and did as much as I could. I used the purpose of why I had the business to do what I was wanting in the moment. Take trips. I went overseas. I hung out locally. I had a great time. There began to be a moment where, like I said, there's that word priorities. When, as you said, bills happen, things, life happens. And as I'm wanting to progress, there began to be a theory that developed that I had learned when I was much younger that I began to put into practice under this understanding of where I, listen, and I was, people always teach you back then, this was 2000s, even you can go into 2010s, you can go through early parts of before social media and before the way everything progresses so much faster. Now they used to tell you to do a five-year plan, a, a 10-year plan. Where do you want to be in 10 years? Yeah, like I'm telling you, no fucking way. Can you do that now and say, where do I want to be in 10 years? You'll never no. have an idea of where 10 years is going to be, but you can start to build into not necessarily the specifics, but what are you going to prioritize as something that's big? Right. And, and you can start to do what I did. Uh, you have a, uh, something that you learned when you were younger that you began to put into practice. I think that we should all have things that are purposeful in our life that we put into practice into our business. For me, the principle was sowing and reaping. It's a principle that you can go from farming to biblical to all kinds of ways that you can look at it. But it's the principle that if I put a seed, which is an idea that I've said in the past, you, many of us get ideas and you put this idea in your brain and it's a seed and you began to right, do things for the seed. You begin to build it out. You begin to, to grow it, AKA you're sowing it. You're, you're putting on fertilizer. You're working the land. You're spending hours doing it in hopes, not tomorrow, not next month. Sometimes it's years. Farmers will not see a crop for many, many, many cycles sometimes, right? There was, a, uh, there was a, a lesson that I learned long, long time ago. And it was about, uh, uh, I believe it's, what, what, what's the Chinese bamboo? It's about bamboo and how the Chinese, actually it takes them six years to grow bamboo. And the idea was they water and they nurture and water and they nurture it for five and a half something years. And then suddenly within months, it shoots up. And at six years, then you got this giant bamboo. But it's all the time that it takes going into, all the sowing that it takes to reap. And you don't want to just reap once. You actually want to keep reaping. You actually want to, over five years, over 10 years, continue to progress further. So I've always had this theory that whatever I want to sow into, whatever I prioritize, I will reap out later. So then I have to look at 
What am I sowing into? What are the good things that could come out of it and the bad things? How do I not sow into bad things into my future and have good things that could come out? We all have different theories of how we want to interject life into business. You have an interesting one that you talked to me about is something that you learned very early on, how you handled money and how you work with people and money. And I think, yeah. I think people will understand then why we've had some analogies over the past months and they could probably also take a part of it and add it to their life. So tell us about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I don't know, like nobody instilled this in me or I never had a conversation with a family member or friend or whatever, but I just inherently understood that if I took care of people with money, meaning, you know, a landscaper or a pool guy or whatever, then they would stick around. And that was the basis of me finally having team members and understanding if they're taken care of, if their family's good, if you know what I mean, it was such a simple philosophy but I, I didn't need to be told about it. I didn't need to be told that, you know, uh, I didn't need to move to Vegas to understand the tipping economy. I didn't need, I, I wanted people, if I had a favorite restaurant, I wanted to go into that restaurant and people know that I tipped well and I got better service. And I, that it was something in our friend group that you could see the guys built that way. And you could see the guys built the other way. And you could see people's reaction to the other buddies of yours that don't tip well. And, you know, the waitress doesn't wait or doesn't love doing business with them or whatever. And I think this is where I get with guys now is every time we talk to somebody that's got an employee problem, the first thing we hear is what they pay. And when we get off the phone, you and I go, what do we say? 100% of the time this has happened. Me and you are like, yeah, that's not even close to being enough. Why? They can't live on it. They can't succeed on it. They don't see a future when they start at that level. The world's changed. And the guys and gals out there that have struggled with the world changing from an employee standpoint have not accepted what it takes to run a business financially and maybe just don't have it. So you need to take a step back and you need to do the work a little bit more on your own, save your money and get yourself into a position where you can take care of people. Because if you can't take care of them with the money, they're not going to stick around. We once had a guy come on here who I really respect who said, oh, it's culture and they just want to eat pizza. On the Guess what everybody's learned during the pandemic? They don't give a shit about you bringing pizza in. That's why they're calling quiet quitting and people are quitting in droves. And all of these people will come out and say, I was tired of the pizza parties. I was tired of my company doing this. I wish they would have just compensated me. Well, no shit. Doesn't everybody want to make more money? Have you ever walked into somebody and said, hey, do you wish they paid you less? There's not a person that would answer yes to that. And so that tells you where everybody's lies. In this economy, remember this, everybody has a value. And the value isn't how respectful you are to them, which is a no-brainer. It's what you pay them to do something. That's the way we all communicate with one another in the economy. And that could be your customers as a detailer, but this makes for my last good point on this. If you're a detailer going on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube and talking about cheap chemicals, guess who sees that? Customers. And then they go, wow, he's cheap. And then they call you and go, hey, can you do a full detail for 99 bucks? And you're like, I can't believe they called me. Well, wait a minute. 
you're putting out into the world that you're cheap. So you're putting your money as you're a cheap a-hole with money. So now you're surprised when the cheap a-hole calls you. See how this money thing kind of balances itself out? And guess what? We got a lot of people out here that work in valet. We got a lot of people out here that work in the restaurant and service industry. And they can tell you to a T that what I'm telling you, you can see success from a mile away. People that have good relationships, take care of people, tip the valet. It's not because they're trying to be a baller. It's because they're trying to take care of people. And all those people take care of them every time they come back. That it's amazing when you watch it and you actually listen to other people beside yourself. We have a guy that works at one of the most upscale Italian restaurants in the United States. He's one of my buddies. He told me about a football coach out here that walked in and gave him a $2 bill at valet. And he thought he was doing him a favor. And he goes, dude, I got these other guys. Nobody knows would have money. And these guys hand me 50 bucks every time they come in here. You should see how the wait staff deals with them. Everybody hates when this guy walks in, he gets the worst service. At the end of the day, that kind of sums up the way that I think about all of this is that if you take care of people financially, you'll get taken care of as well. But if you want to be cheap, you're going to find cheap. And so I didn't need somebody to explain that to me. And I'm kind of grateful that that's the way it all kind of registered in my brain. And maybe it's just luck. Well, However a listener finds their purpose, whichever direction they see fit to go, there's no doubt that it's hard work, right? That it's grit, yeah. it's devotion, it's years and years and years of you really better enjoy what you're doing. Like, enjoy your life, enjoy your business, interact them as much as you can. It's your one chance of life. So be happy oh, and yeah. be purposeful. Be yeah, and, I, and I've loved the hell out of my 12 years. Even yeah. though it's been tough, if you don't accept the tough, then that's probably the biggest is, is the best part. Is the best part of, of playing football, is it the work and afterwards going, huh, like, fuck, yeah, man, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, and then after going practice, out to the game and after a game, right? Yeah. And then, then that's the part. All the bad weeks lead to the good weeks. And so I, I find that a lot of people I discuss this with, I think you're exactly right, that, you know, you got to like it. If you don't like this, the bad stuff, you're not going to like the good stuff enough to make it worth it. So that's what I could have done better at the beginning, except that the bad stuff's going to happen, man. Bad shit's going to happen. You know, you just how you got to roll with it. So I think it's a great way to end for sure. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of what you said there, it's a great post that people should go over to the Hyperclean Specialist Group because we had a question that was asked, hey, if you could look back to your younger self, what would you tell them? It was a great question. So oh, everybody yeah. go on the Hyperclean Specialist Group. Go find that post and let us know what you think. Nick, man, great talk, brother. Have a great week. talk to you guys later. See you, man. Hey, this is Marshall. Wow. You know that was a great discussion. You got something out of it. So what do you need to do? Here's my recommendation. I think you need to start writing it out. I think you need to start thinking through it. What's your overall biggest purpose of what you want to achieve? but become your subcategories and whoever is your significant other your spouse, whoever sit down, go over with them, make sure everybody understands what the priorities are and the direction that you are leading the family into. Hey, it's your purpose. They're with you and they support you. This is Marshall. And I hope to see you on the community pub. That's this Wednesday, seven 30 central. 
Zoom ID 918-800-1188. Till then, make it a great day.